Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Real Estate Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019, and it's our final podcast of the year. On this day in 1839, diplomatic agent James Treat arrived in Mexico City to negotiate for the recognition of the Republic of Texas. Treat had long believed that Mexico should accept a formal peace treaty and recognize the independence of Texas. Upon his arrival in Mexico City, Treat began negotiating with local officials, a process that dragged on for the greater part of a year. It ended in complete failure in October 1840 when Mexico rejected the Texas propositions for peace. Now on to today's podcast. As we say goodbye to 2019, it's a good time to look to the year ahead. Here at the Real Estate Center, 2020 has many exciting things in store. For example, Tierra Grande, the center's flagship magazine, is getting an upgrade. The first change you'll notice when your January issue arrives is a new name. Tierra Grande will now simply go by TG, a nickname we've used in-house for years. Our content will also be more targeted to agents and brokers, and we're rolling out a new Q&A column explaining common legal issues on the back page of each magazine. We've also improved our one-paragraph takeaway summaries. But what's not changing? The high-quality photos and design you enjoy, and, most importantly, the reliable research you've come to expect from the Real Estate Center. We're anxious to hear what you think. We're also eager to see what 2020 will have in store for the Texas economy, and I'm sure you are too. What will Texas general economy and housing, commercial, and land markets look like next year? Well, our team of economists studied the data and made their projections in our exclusive 2020 Texas Housing and Economic Outlook Report, available now online. Today, Real Estate Center Chief Economist Dr. Jim Gaines joins us on the podcast to talk more about the Texas economy in 2020. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. How did the Texas economy fare in 2019? Was it consistent with predictions from the end of 2018? Pretty much so, yes. And and incidentally, 2019, from all indications, I mean, we don't have obviously the final data in and final numbers, but from everything we can tell, it's going to be it's going to end up being a very very good year. The uh, uh, price of oil has stayed steady, which has been helpful. Production's been up. Uh, GDP and employment growth uh, for the state are going. Uh, Texas is the number one GDP growth state in the country at least through the first half of the year. I can right. tell you that much. That's the, that's the latest data we have. We don't actually have the third quarter data yet. Of course, we won't have year-end data for another six months or so. But but it, all indications are Texas is going to do very well in terms of GDP growth, employment growth. We're, we're growing at about 2.4, 2.4, 2. 2.5%, 2. where the rest of the country or the U.S. is growing about 1.7. Mm-hmm. Just to give some comparison there to give an idea so we're doing almost uh, almost a full percentage point better on our on our uh, employment growth. Um, percentage wise, we're we're in the last eight years since 2010, the recovery, if you will, from the Great Recession. Um, Texas has has uh, led the country in population growth. It's been mm-hmm. phenomenal 
population yeah. growth, uh, nearly 4 million people wow. being added to our population base within the state. Now, about half of that birth over death, and the other half is immigration, both foreign and domestic. But nevertheless, tremendous growth, uh, far ahead of anybody else. Uh, and give, especially given our size, uh, Texas is a large state, second only to California in total population. So to have the percentage increase we've had has been phenomenal. And the same with jobs. Uh, uh, job creation has been uh, ongoing, probably uh, slowing down, leveling off a little bit. It, 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 always when you say slowing down, people hear me say that and they think it's falling off a cliff. It's not. It's sort of leveling off. Uh, to a long ter- our long-term normal rate of, of growth. Right. But 2019 going to turn out to be a very good year. Also for the housing market. Yeah, The housing market has done well. Uh, we'll set another record uh, this year for total number of sales. Uh, the rate of increase that we're doing is not like we did when we jumped up uh, after the Great Recession, each year the percentage increases were really big because it started from a low base. Mm-hmm. So your percentage increases look better. But we're we're doing uh, uh, close to four percent increase. I think it's about three and a half percent increase in sales. Mm-hmm. Home prices uh, continue to go up, but again, a little bit of leveling off in terms of the rate of increase on on the home prices. What does 2020 have in store for I the economy? I thought you'd ask me that. Whole, yeah. Well, we're looking actually for 2020 to be more or less uh, a continuation of this year. The, there's there's always things of concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the trade issues going on with uh, with China and so forth. Although the Mexican Canadian uh, MCA uh, United States Mexico Canadian uh, trade agreement should get put in place. The Congress is saying that they're going to pass the agreement, which has been a holdup for the last two years right. uh, since the agreement was first announced. Uh, and then Canada has to agree to it. But anyway, that all should get in place. So we're still currently re- operating under NAFTA, but even that's not too bad. So for, for Texas, at least, mm-hmm. uh, that that part of it is going good. Uh, that's one thing on the horizon that that could go either way. Although politically, it looks like they'll try and get an agreement done before the election so that it doesn't become a big deal politically. Right. Um, but our employment base is still going. The energy market is probably going to be, in our opinion, uh, neg- uh, neutral. Uh, it probably isn't going to be a stimulus for the, for, for the economy in 2020 for Texas. But neither should it be much of a detriment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there again the leveling out, if you will. Uh, right. The the flurry of activity we've had the last seven or eight years on the fracking business that's beginning now to level out. Uh, production levels are leveling out. Rig counts actually falling, partly because of the price not going up, partly because of increased efficiency in technology. Uh, so that the the current uh, wells being drilled are far more efficient and, and more productive mm-hmm. than the former wells, so you just don't need as many of them. Right. It, it, common sense yeah. <laughs> eventually comes into play. The other thing in the energy sector is is because of the price stability, uh, relative price stability of the last uh, eight, nine, ten, twelve months. Uh, there's not the the uh, infusion of investment capital that's been going to the oil, uh, exploration and production has kind of dried up. So that's that's going to slow down 
that sector. Job creation in mining and logging and, and the energy extraction industries is going to slow down. Uh, in fact, might even, well, it, it might decline a little bit, but it'll be de minimis uh, uh, there as that, again, that leveling out of our economy going forward into 2020. But it'll still be good. I mean, it'll, it'll be relatively strong. Um, the U.S. is going to slow down a little bit, and, and a lot of Texas is tied there. Austin and San Antonio still continue to grow rapidly, uh, mm-hmm. but again, probably not as fast as they've done the last few years. So very good, though, but uh, we're looking uh, uh, GDP growth for the state uh, more or less to be in that 4 to 4.2%, 4.3% range, which is about what it was in 2018. So in, mm-hmm. in overall macro terms, it'll look kind of the same. Uh, home, the housing market for 2020, we're, we're actually looking for a pretty good market. Uh, interest rates will stay low. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's always something everybody wants to know about is what we think interest rates are going to do. For the moment, for the time being, it looks like there's no uh, – inflation is still way, well under control if you want to look at it that way or low. Uh, so interest rates will probably stay down. So home buying will be will look attractive. Uh, the the thing that's going to limit the housing market is simply inventory of people selling their houses. Yeah, the home builders are going to build houses as fast as they can, but that's that's that industry is is facing some some, some challenges uh, from lack of labor, material costs going up, land being more difficult to d- develop, and so forth, and a little more costly. Uh, home builders are trying to figure out how to uh, uh, come into price points that are the highest demand price points, 150 to 300. Yeah. If you can get into that price level, and that's real difficult to do, especially in our major metropolitan areas in the MSAs. So, but the housing market looks like it will do very well. Uh, home prices probably will go up another three and a half to four and a half percent as a range. Uh, home sales will probably also increase somewhere on a percentage basis, probably in about the same level, about three and a half to four and a half percent increase. So it again, it'll be a step up, another record year in 2020. Uh, foreseeing, uh, given that interest rates stay low and and jobs continue to be created. What do you expect to happen in the multifamily rental market next year? The, the apartment market's still strong. Uh, that's that's uh, th- There's a couple of reasons for that. One is that so many people who might like to buy a house can't either afford it or they can't find what they're looking for, so they're, they're renters. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other is the demographics, that the millennial group, the 20, 30-somethings are still coming through, still a very large group, particularly the under 33 Okay, uh, you have to get within the within the groups. But mm-hmm. our biggest age cohorts in Texas, the, the, if you graphed out uh, each age, each year's age, the biggest uh, age cohorts are 26, 27, and 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. uh, at that age, you still typically are a renter, and you are typically an apartment yeah. <laughs> renter. And that has, but and that has been. Uh, consistent with that whole millennial group coming through that even the uh, upper, the older millennials who are now 36, 7, 8, 9 years old, well, five years ago, they were in their early 30s and they were renters. So it's a churn kind of thing. But the apartment market will be strong. Um, probably because of construction, we, we've been building apartments all over the state rapidly. Yeah. Uh, 
this is not limited to just here in College Station where we can see it, <laughs> but it's true in, in Dallas and Houston and Austin. Uh, a lot of apartments being uh, uh, brought online, which is which is uh, helped because people have to live, but the rents have been going up, and that's that's been an interesting phenomenon. Uh, the the high demand for higher quality uh, mm-hmm. apartment projects. Of course, you don't generally build new a low quality apartment, right. so that that just falls. In it. But but there's still even layers or, or levels of quality even among the new stuff, and but the rents are going up. Uh, occupancy rates in general across the state uh, are are probably going to to stay about where they are. We don't see big big drop off there, uh, with the exception of a couple of markets. Now there are a lot of uh, a new product scheduled to come online. And we may start seeing uh, uh, isolated or, or maybe not quite so isolated incidences of rent concessions. Yeah. Uh, you, you generally will see the concession, so the effective rent comes down where the asking rent, the nominal rent, doesn't come down. They, they still ask for, just to make up a number, $1,000 a month, but you get a month, free month rent. Well, if you average that over twelve months, then obviously you're not paying a thousand dollars a month, so right. it's a rent concession, and and we'll we'll still see a little bit of that. But the housing market should still do very very well. Uh, home sales, like I say, will go up. Uh, rentals, uh, apartment market, we're still going to have a fair amount of construction. We're we're interested to see new starts. Takes a year and a half, two years to build an apartment project. Uh, so a lot of that that's under construction and that will come online during the course of 2020. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many new projects get platted and permitted uh, to in, in the or or if that's going to wane a little bit. It looks like there's no real reason for it. There's still a big surge of people, renters, mm-hmm. tenants, coming through. And I'm not even mentioning uh, the, the boomers, the older people, the empty nesters, if you will, the over 55 uh, whose kids have grown, gone to college, gotten out of the house, and and the downsizing, and maybe even shifting from being owner to renter. Now, it's a dichotomy because we just said one of the problems in the home sales market is lack of inventory of homes being offered for sale. Right. Yet, at the same time, when we look at the apartment market and the demand for apartments, some of that demand is going to come from older boomers who want to get out of the house they own and go into the rental market. Well, obviously, if they do that, they're going to sell their house. Yeah. Uh, there was an article that came out uh, here not long ago, within the last week or two, from one of the national services that talked about the silver tsunami mm-hmm. of home sales by, by the older uh, uh, boomers. Uh, that are going to be selling their house and, and downsizing or going into the rental market and so on. And it was interesting, in the report that was issued, they said there was exceptions, and the exceptions were Texas. Yeah. <laughs> they specifically listed Dallas, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio as probably not experiencing that phenomenon as much as what they're expecting to see around the rest of the country. First of all, you got to remember, Texas is a relatively young state. Yeah. Uh, our percentage of, of home ownership by old, older, uh, the, the 55 plus, it's a high percentage ownership, but, but our number of our demographics are still heavily weighted down to the younger age groups. So it's a, it, the, the, the sheer numbers 
yeah. will, will be interesting. And so we were we were almost uh, in that report specifically excluded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as having that. What about the commercial sector? What's that going to look like next year? Yeah, that one's more tricky. And and uh, uh, as you know, we put together here at the Real Estate Center a quarterly commercial report. Mm-hmm. And we are now in the process, uh, as we speak, of finalizing sort of our outlook uh, and our projections of where we think the commercial markets are, are going here in 2020. To summarize, and, and without trying to get into... Uh, minutia detail here. Uh, by and large, the markets are going to sort of sustain at what they're doing. They, 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 we don't see big changes uh, yeah. coming down the pike. Uh, occupancy levels for office uh, are being affected right now by new supply coming on online, particularly in the big cities. Uh, Houston, for example, and Austin uh, have a fair amount of uh, office space coming online as does Dallas for that matter too. But Dallas, uh, a little different uh, because a lot of the office uh, supply coming online is already accounted for because of corporate relocations, building their own campuses and so forth. So it's not multi-tenant kind of thing. Right. Um, the uh, the retail markets uh, around the state continue to be, as from a real estate standpoint, uh, continue to be fairly tight. Occupancy levels uh, are fairly high mm-hmm. across the board. It's not to say that it doesn't have issues. Uh, the malls, for example, uh, this is universal around the country. Uh, the, the regional malls that were the darling of the retail market mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago are now uh, uh, suffering. They're, they're not doing as well. Uh, the packaging of retail space is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that the, the retail sector, uh, from a business standpoint, there have been a lot of closures announced, uh, uh, Chapter 7 bankruptcies filed, uh, a lot of uh, the bigger, older, the, the J.C. Penney's, the Sears Roebuck, and some of the big box users, uh, uh, retailers are, are doing. The mm-hmm. e-commerce trade, of course, is growing, and, and but it's now, it's interesting the pattern of e-commerce taking away from the physical space, it, it seems to be le- leveling out a little bit. Like Walmart is one of the leaders in this of, of selling things online, but you go to the store to pick it up. So you still go to the physical retail store, the brick and mortar store. Yeah. And and so the, the whole structure of retailing is, is quite frankly, uh, probably undergoing some, some, some serious reevaluation and and restructuring and it'll be interesting to see how all that works out but for the short run for 2020 uh the retail sector very localized mm-hmm. uh, uh the the ma and pa uh, or, or even even the community uh, the the grocery anchored center with three or four five six seven stores with it and so forth that's rooftops and texas is growing rooftops like mad population mm-hmm. People got to buy groceries. They've got to buy drugs and services. They've got to get haircuts. They've got they yeah. got to do all of these things that are typical. And generally, they want it convenient. They want it to be local, locally convenient, and so on. And then and then on the broader scale of retail in general, uh, in, increasing. Who have I left out? Warehouse. Um, mm-hmm. We were just talking about it this morning. Uh, the the amount of trade and and uh, activity that comes in through Texas is phenomenal. Right. Um, 
San Antonio, of course, uh, gets a certain amount of that coming up from Mexico. Dallas-Fort Worth is a, is a trade center, uh, uh, warehouse center, distribution center is what I'm trying to say for the whole region. Houston, of course, with the port and, and, the, and the energy-related. Uh, and it's not just oil uh, or natural gas. It's all of the other products that are the, the petrochemical and, and so on. Huge, huge amount. Right. Uh, and, and that leads to storage, warehousing, distribution centers. Uh, the, the buzzword is to call them logistic centers, mm-hmm. uh, logistical uh, centers. Uh, Amazon and all of the, the big distributors like that uh, have millions, maybe even tens of millions of square feet of warehouse space in Texas. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, so it's been phenomenal. The warehouse sector has done very well. It's a different kind of business. Uh, the, the structure is different. The, the leasing is different. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of it might be even owner-occupied, but, but not necessarily. So what's the 2020 outlook for the Texas land market? The land market looks like it's going to be uh, leveling off. Uh, I'm using that term a lot because it mm-hmm. seems to apply in, in a lot of our economy and our real estate markets here. Uh, that has been a very strong market for the last I don't know, seven, eight years or at least, maybe more. Uh, uh, again, uh, we may even see some slight decline in total sales volume, uh, number of sales or number of acres uh, changing hand, but uh, the price pressures are still going to be in place that prices will probably continue to, to uh, uh, strengthen. So, I, I you know, that's... Uh, that's always interesting, and, and, and as you know, in our land uh, research that we do here and our rural land research that we do here at the center, we don't really look at the developed land. The, the land that's on the periphery of the urban areas that winds up being shifted from a rural use to a developed urban use, that, that land is going up in value and 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 uh, speculative value very very rapidly, right. and is one of the reasons why there's a bit of a slowdown on the home building front because that land acquisition cost has gotten so much higher. So you would say that the general outlook for 2020 is Texas is still growing, we're still doing great, but things are going to normalize. Yeah, yeah, great. yeah. I mean, there's there's no con- now. Obviously, any number of things could possibly happen to, to mm-hmm. change that, but but at least on the uh, what you can see on the horizon right this second, you don't see a big problem. What, what some clouds on the horizon? General growth around the the world, mm-hmm. the global economy. Quite frankly, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, has lowered twice. Its estimate of uh, of global GDP here in the last six to nine months, and it's saying it's saying the global economy is slowing down. Uh, a lot of the demand for oil that we we rely on here in Texas comes. It's a global. It's a global market. It's not a domestic market. Uh, U.S. demand is pretty much fixed. The thing that changes demand for oil is globally, and and it's the growing or emerging countries that that are the swing in there on the demand side. And those countries are not going forth as fast, so they're not using as much, so they're not uh, looking to buy as much. Yeah, uh, Europe is not doing particularly well. They're probably going to go into quantitative easing. Japan is not. Southeast Asia, which is a huge uh, market that in Texas we tend to overlook it, uh, Asia, Southeast Asia, is also slowing down uh, a good deal. And they have been 
really booming the last 10, 15 years. Uh, Russia's not going. India is slowing down. All of this, this kind of less exuberant expansion uh, comes into play. That's a little cloud on the horizon. If, there, if it turns out there's a global recession, eventually it would take the U.S. into a recession. Probably not as deep, but, but, but slow us down. Right. And then if the U.S. slows down Texas, it's domino effect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. We'll do it again. Thanks again, Jim. We posted a link to the 2020 Texas Housing and Economic Outlook Report on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box below. We also posted a link to more podcasts featuring Jim, as well as his latest research articles. You can find those articles on the Real Estate Center's research library. It includes a wide variety of economic reports and real estate articles. Our latest articles include our brand new quarterly apartment report, soil health practices, water resource issues, Abilene's housing market, micro markets, and more. We included a link to the research library on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you want more from the Real Estate Center, head to our website, www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. To stay up to date on what's happening around the center, follow us on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, subscribe on iTunes or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Real Estate Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder, and happy early new year. We wish you great success in achieving your dreams and goals in 2020. Bye.